Craft Beer Radio, episode 112, April 20th, 2008. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. This week we are doing – well, I was just down in D.C. and I went to a great bottle shop, Chevy Chase Wine and Liquor, and found some interesting stuff there. And so we're going to be doing some stuff I found. This first beer is the Williamsburg. I hadn't uh, – I think I may have heard of this place, but I never had any of their beers. Williamsburg Ale Works. This is – which one is this? The IPA? This is the, uh, yeah, the Drake Tail Ale, India Pale Ale. That's hard to say. <laughs> Williamsburg has a, a red. Well, I think they're. Are the colors all the the same? Is it a red yeah, label? Yeah, yeah it's a red right. label. It's got ale works in this weird funky font. Uh, Drake Tail Ale India Pale Ale. <laughs> they See? call this. Uh, they're in Williamsburg, Virginia. WilliamsburgAleWorks dot com. This one. Let's see if it has a anything on here about alcohol. Nothing. It's an India Pale Ale, that's for sure. So in the aroma on it. Oh wow. Those are probably Cascade, right? Yeah, I'm getting some citrus here. I'm getting a lot of nice, um, you know, crystal malt, English malt aroma on this thing as well. Mm-hmm. It smells delicious. It does smell very, very good. It's pretty bitter up front. It's um, really <laughs> it's it's very bitter very, throughout. Yeah. Actually, the second sip, it just builds on it. You know, it got they got the smell right, but I really do think they went overboard on the bitterness here. Yeah, you, the aroma you were expecting to be this nice, sweet, full, creamy, malty IPA, this English style IPA or something, or American, but with lots of malt character mm-hmm. to it. And um, it is on the bitter side, that's for sure. Now, you know, the thing about a bitter beer is that after a while, your tongue gets used to it, and you start to figure out the mm-hmm. other things. But this is certainly, if you're not a fan of bitter beers. Stay away. <laughs> Let's see what those fools at Beer Advocate think of this one. <laughs> Speaking of fools at Beer Advocate, there was um, a Beer Advocate on Jeopardy the other day. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. He won, became the Jeopardy champion. Really? And Which then, one? Um, Drew Beecham. He is the president of the Maltos Falcons, the oldest homebrew club in America. Oh. He writes for several beer mag- homebrewing magazines and whatnot. I think he write, might write for Beer Advocate Magazine, too. Uh, he did really well on the first episode of Jeopardy. Um, he had like $18,000. The uh, He's a computer programmer and a home brewer. The final Jeopardy category, science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about a ringer, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the answer was tribbles. What are tribbles? <laughs> but um, second episode, he didn't do so well. He um, failed to make final Jeopardy. Dun dun dun! Had a negative score at the end of the, at the end of Double Jeopardy. Oh well, hey, not everybody can be Ken Jennings, right? Yeah, I know he's only seventy three wins away. So I'm looking at Williamsburg Brewing Company, and it says here close that they're <laughs> <laughs> they, they may have just they may not exist anymore. I don't know. Uh, this 
they don't have a listing here for their IPA. They have the pale ale and the colonial ale. The last sip that I took, wow, tastes a lot, not just a little bit, a lot like dish soap. Getting any dish soap at all? Which kind, palm olive or Pam? Palm olive. <laughs> um, you know, at the very end, I think the, the way the bitterness bounces it's on the same your glass I used, you know, for my water in the pre-show, and it didn't taste like anything. You know, the water tasted fine, but all of a sudden, this tastes like like dishwater. Maybe that's why they're closed. Let me take a look at their website and see if it's actually active. WilliamsburgAleworks.com Open for business. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't think they talk about... I doubt they would talk about the dish soap quality of their beer in here. <laughs> <laughs> but let me look at the Drake Tail Ale here. Greg's really getting into this, having a laptop available for him. It's very nice. Let's try, let's try not to go overboard on the uh, <laughs> click, click, type, type. But let's see what we have to find here. There's not much information here. It says, brewed with uh, copious amounts of Columbus and Amarillo hops. It says this IPA is balanced nicely with a strong malt body. I would say it's not really too balanced. This is there's, there's a strong malt body to it, but yeah, the balance, I think the malts are getting stomped on by the hops for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's definitely going way overboard on the bitterness. I think this is pretty high on the IBU scale. Now, this is interesting. It says, a revamp of our recipes, and the IPA recipe in particular, has made this IPA available again and better than ever. So, I don't know. Does it say when this was brewed? Because maybe this was brewed before they revamped their recipes. Mm. I'd suspect with the amount of hops in this thing that it's not that old. And because it probably, was, the hops would, they would, they would go fade away. Yeah. some. But also, I mean, this tastes like a, a revamped up to 11 brewers <laughs> attempted American IPA. Right? Yeah, so. yeah. So maybe it's not as successful to revamp as, say, um, Weyerbacher. I don't think it's horrible. I just think that it's they, not they need to make the... Uh, they definitely need to make the mold stand out a little bit more, you know, stand up against the hops. Hops are stomping on it. I could see people who who would really like this. Maybe a West Coast guy who loves bitter stuff. But still, I think it's just, it's just a little bit too overboard on the bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um without some of the floral aspects of the hop that you really do enjoy is just really getting a straight amount of a straight big bitterness stuff and then there's like jeff says there's malt in there but i can still taste that bitterness and I, once again i will say that every any time i have to take a drink of water while i'm drinking a beer not a very good sign that the beer will be high up on my list right right all right, our next beer is a beer that Greg has never had, and it was the last beer I had before I came, became a father. So, <laughs> this is Brooklyn Local One from Brooklyn, Brooklyn Brewing Company. This is a strong Belgian strong pale ale at nine percent alcohol by volume. Garrett Oliver apparently classifies this as a strong saison. Yeah, it's not really a clear with the carbonations on this one's ready to go. Pow! There we there go. Goes. That's a nice sound, isn't it? Yep. Uh, yeah, when I talked to you know Garrett, he, he you know a lot of people say it's a strong golden ale or something like that, like and then, but he really doesn't think it's really classifiable. It's just a Belgian style beer, you know. It kind of blends a couple lines. So if he says 
that smoke falling out of there. You can actually pour <laughs> the CO2 smoke. Yeah, look at that. Well, it's definitely very light in color. God, it's got to be around four SRMs or maybe even lighter. Yeah, so this, this beer is very interesting because it is bottle-conditioned. And to bottle condition it, it's uh, bottle conditioned, refermented in the bottle, I think is that what they actually call it. They built a warm room at the brewery. So they prime the beer, they put them in these bottles, and they let it sit around in their warm room so it's warm enough to, to condition. Then they'll put it in the, uh, the, you know, the cold rooms for storage. Interesting. Now this, I'm getting kind of a lemon smell off of this. Yeah, there's like a weedy... Not straight lemon. I mean, yeah, like sort of a weedy lemon, I think. Yeah, is, is I think they use a fair amount of wheat in the in the green bill for this. Um, this one's pouring with lots of um, lots of carbonation. So, And you heard how the cork popped on it. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if it's that way for every Brooklyn Local one. This is only like my third, fourth, <laughs> fourth, I think. Um, they use... Um, Raw sugar from Mauritius as well in the beer. So that'll give it some, some interesting flavors. Uh, interesting. I think it's raw cane sugar. Yeah. First pressing. And the German malton hops. The aroma is getting a little tough. I got such a big head. I'm just smelling like the CO2 burning my nose when I take a big whiff of it. I'm not getting much behind, much beyond that at the moment. I need to scoop to scoop some of that foam off the top. <laughs> There's also... Um, a, a good bit of sweetness in there. I'm trying to characterize it because it, it, it's a fruity type of sweetness. So mm-hmm. where does it f- fall on a fruit scale? I would say... Somewhere between delicious and amazing. <laughs> 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 but in more practical terms, maybe somewhere along the lines of a date in terms of the sweetness. Okay. Like a dried date with mm-hmm. the you know the sugar on it. Yeah, I can definitely see that. It's um, it's interesting because actually it's like a date, but the flavor hits you in a different part of your mouth than when you're eating a date. I'm getting it like two-thirds way back on my tongue is where I'm tasting date. Or if you're eating dates, you're really getting it in the front of your tongue. Mm-hmm. You're getting a lot of that sugar in the date on the tip of your tongue. So it's interesting how it – I wouldn't have picked date because the taste sensation is different. But the taste itself is very similar. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. It's very good. Really good. It's uh, unique. Yeah, it's definitely a hard beer to classify. If I had to classify it, I would probably go with Belgian Strong Pale yeah, Ale or something. Yeah, it's kind of lacking a little bit of funk that you say Zones yeah. typically have. Yeah, and, and a little it's bit... very clean. A little bit of the extra fruitiness, you know, because it's got fruitiness in there, definitely, mm-hmm. but it, it just it doesn't go the full step. Yeah. Um, but it's not particularly hoppy. There's a slight amount of bitterness, but it's really kind of lost among all the other flavors here. It, it's very soft, too, because I've heard people you know, compare it to something like Duval. But to me, Duval is a lot sharper. That the candy sugar or whatever they use in it just makes it a lot sharper taste. Where this one's really soft and velvety mm-hmm. the whole way through. It's it's extremely drinkable. Yes, it's a very good drinker. I'm already halfway finished, and it's like there's some good yeah, stuff it's on. Palatable. Here. It just is smooth to drink. It just goes down easy. Yeah. It's, now that date sweetness uh, is you know some if you it, there it's really kind of on a cusp and. It could be overdone, but it's not. Mm-hmm. It's like it's just on the cusp. Of oh yeah, I mean, uh, you know, like a lot of Belgian triples, that that sugary sweetness is too much. Yeah. This one is 
subdue. It's an undertone. It's it's in there. It's a nice accompaniment, but it doesn't steal the show. And it's it's a great component to the flavor. And that, and you know, especially when you, if you if you drink this and you sniff at the same time, get the aroma with it too. It just adds so much more to it because you get that you get really a lot of that citrusy flavor with it too, but without any tartness. There's no mm-hmm. tartness in this at all. Yep. Mm. That is a good beer. It certainly is. Well, you're drinking from Sam Adams' glasses, and I see this take pride in your beer, and I'm thinking, yes. <laughs> As I'm drinking this, I am taking pride in the beer that I'm drinking. Yep, we're using the, the curvy, scientifically designed Sam Adams' glasses that make beer taste better. So they say. <laughs> and while we can't disagree... We don't have any proof to the uh, that they do either. Our sample size is too small, and it's also very hard to do a blind, <laughs> a double blind test on this sort of thing. Yeah, especially when it feels different when it hits your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one where you um, drink the rinse water, <laughs> and the rinse water still tastes pretty decent. Mm-hmm. All right, so next. All right, so this is one that I'm most excited to try. This is a beer that I saw and I was like, okay, I got to try this. An English IPA. This is from the Meantime Brewery, which is a great name because they're in Greenwich. Greenwich Meantime. Right. So, you know, and it from the packaging, I don't know much about this brewery. Greg's looking him up right now. But to me, it looks like, excuse me, it's an English craft brewery. Uh, the packaging is a lot like Lawfully. It's in a 25-ounce Cajun cork bottle. has, excuse me, a paper neck label that describes the beer some more. Um, and, yeah, it's talking about being a um, traditional English pale, English IPA. So this might be a very good example to see what those soldiers were drinking in India way back when. It could be. Meantime, Brewing Comedy Limited in the United Kingdom. This is a... English style India Pale Ale at seven point five percent alcohol by volume. Not sure what that means. Oh, an I for detail. Okay, but there's no there's no I in detail. That's <laughs> clever. It says it, this is on the cage. It says an I for detail. And the uh, it's not E Y E. It's it's the letter I. So and letter I for, for detail. And they're missing the I in detail. That's uh, that that's English humor right there. I think. <laughs> Pours lighter than a lot of IPAs. Yeah, than a lot of IPAs you're used to. It looks like it's around six SRMs or so, which is sort of. Just barely orangey, you know. If you kind of a lemon with some with some orange tint to it. First whiff smells a lot like uh, American IPA. Yeah, doesn't smell like English hops from you don't the first think whiff. So? There's a bit of a grassiness there. You don't notice that? See, I was smelling citrusy. I was thinking this smells like um, Racer Five or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, it smells like a it smells like a California IPA. It smells like uh, something that um, Mendocino would make or Berry Public. You're probably right, and I'm just thinking English because yeah. it's English. But it's uh, it's got, got a big head on it, a nice big head. 
Now that's an English style IPA. There's a lot of malt there. A lot of upfront malt. Uh, the, the first thing you taste actually is the malt. The hops come in, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of hoppiness there. And there's that, that that hop flavor that I didn't quite like until I recognized that it was a mixture of the hop and the malt. There's a little bit of that. It's not as strong as, say, let's say in Stone Urination, but there is a bit of that mixture of, of hop and malt that gives kind of a flavor that's a little left of center, I guess you could say. Now, they say here that it's um, pound after pound of Fuggles and Golding's hops are needed to enable t- to achieve this mighty dry hopping rate necessary for the original 19th century IPA to recreate its great beer style. So, why does it taste so citrusy to me? I'm not sure. Or, I guess in the flavor, I'm not getting as much citrus as I was in the aroma. No, there's not really a lot of citrus in there. There's a good amount of grassiness. There's... Okay, yeah. The um, overall first impression was the body wasn't as full as I it has anticipated. I'm not saying it's watery or even aqueous, but it's it's just less full than I had actually anticipated for some reason. But it, it's not really a knock against it. I wouldn't, you know, I, I don't really taste that. I mean, it feels pretty pretty full on the mouth to me. It does have, I mean, it, it's a different hot profile than you get from American IPAs. It the, really yeah. is. The malt it's on a, it's not really a, it's not a caramelly no, IPA. No, it's not. It's more of a... Which is what I typically think of when I think of an English style IPA. I think they're going to put a lot of caramel malt in there. Um, almost like what Hop Devil has. Or, um, hmm. I guess Hop Devil is probably the best example at the tip of my tongue right now. Where, te- you know, not the American hop part, but, you know, how malty hop devil is. I was thinking something along those lines where this one is... Um, more bready. More bready, definitely, yeah. They're using, like, the color, you know, it's probably just a lot of pale malt in there. Maybe a little bit of something for color, but um, in general, I think it's a lot of pale malt. And English malt. And the flavor is nice. It's a nice malt backbone to definitely. it. Definitely. It's, it's got a really good flavor. It's an excellent drinker. Uh, really goes down nice and smooth and easy. Let's see what this paper neck tag has to say, if it's anything good. To ensure that meantime IPA and Porter are as true to their London origins as possible, we carefully researched the history of the styles. We then slow-brewed, slow-brewed, isn't that an Anheuser-Busch term? <laughs> and matured them to a minimum for a minimum of two months. Our bottle-conditioned beers aren't filtered, and reseeded with yeast like some aren't filtered and reseeded with yeast like some. Oh, I mean bottle conditioned ones. They're mm-hmm. using the the natural uh, yeast they fermented with, right? Um, this means that you need to pay attention to serving procedure. See over this. <laughs> will, <laughs> so, in other words, decant carefully. Yes, yeah. The beer may cast a slight haze, especially if cold. If this is partly yeast, but can also be the result of. Sheer quantity of malt and hops we used. Cram in to recreate the flavor of an IPA from 1820 and a porter from 1750. So we don't have the porter here. And then they have um, pouring directions on the back. They have a six-step pouring direction here. Let's see what the components are. All right. I'm curious about this. Store the beer vertically in a fridge to allow sediment to settle. Serve at refrigerator temperature. Step two. It's a little bit warmer than that. I think it's good at this temperature, actually. Yeah, I think so. Step two. Remove 
wire slowly and enjoy satisfying the satisfying pop as you ease the cork. <laughs> sounds like that, you're making love you to making the bottle. making that a step? <laughs> sounds like you're making love to the bottle. Step three, tilt glass and pour admiringly. <laughs> do you, do you have to admire? Because, I mean, that's well, pretty, it's worth it, I think. It's yeah. Step four, continue to hold the bottle in near horizontal position as you pour into other glasses. So I guess they want a vigorous pour. That's what they're saying mm. there. Step five, keep the bottle tilted above the horizontal, so retaining any sediment in the bottle. And actually, I didn't read that wrong. Let's keep the bottle tilted above the horizontal, so retaining any sediment in the bottle. Okay. Step six. Those English guys suck with their English. Step six. Drink the beer and ponder the good things in life. <laughs> now that. That's a step I can toast to. Exactly. Cheers. Cheers. I have a story here that we may not want to cheer to. Oh, that news story. There's an assemblyman in Sacramento. Uh, this guy, Beal, Jim Beal. He's proposing a big increase in the beer tax from... He's proposing to increase the beer tax by $1.80 per six packs, or $0.30 cents per can or bottle. The current tax is $0.02 cents per can. It's an increase of about 1,500%. 1,500%. That's a little excessive. According to Gordon Beer, according to Dan Gordon, uh, co-founder of Gordon Beersh, he calculated the tax on a barrel of beer would go from $6.40 to $89. $89 tax on a keg. On a oh, barrel. Barrels, two kegs. Yeah. We would all be looking for jobs, he said. And th- this is this is the guy's excuse. He says it would generate $2 billion a year to fund health care services. And he says the people who use alcohol should pay for part of the cost of society, just like we've accepted that concept with tobacco. Now, I can't think of a worse justification Particularly since California is known for having some great craft beers, and craft beer is a big scene there. To 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 think of, I mean, I don't know if there's craft tobacco, but it's not generally thought of as something that is ever really helpful. For you, I guess cigars are kind of craft tobacco, right? But people sort of accept that. But beer, beer should not be thought of in the same way. Now they already have. They do have a high tax on Alco Pops, which I have no problem with. They have, uh, they, what is it? Let me sit there and read here. Because last year, this guy successfully persuaded this, the Franchise Tax Board to tax Alco Pops at the rate assessed to hard liquor products instead of beer, which was about, was expected to raise the six pack by about $2. I don't have a problem with that. Alco Pops are not. You know they're not like craft beers. They're just they're just there to be fruity and and to people to get drunk on. Craft beer is not there for people to be drunk on. Right. No, I, I understand. Yeah, I I can't imagine a state like California will let something like that eighty nine forty five dollars a keg extra for beer raising every keg of beer forty five dollars. That's insane. That's for that's a quarter of the price of the beer or more. Yeah. That's half, almost half the price of the beer. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, most craft kegs, most half barrels of you know craft kegs are probably one hundred and thirty to one hundred forty dollars. Dollar eighty per six pack is how much. I mean, and that, and, if and you, see at that at that quantity, it doesn't sound as bad. But when you say that a keg is going to go from one hundred and thirty to one 
$175? We see the tax on a barrel of beer would be go from $6.40 to $89. Yeah, that means the price of a keg of beer would go from like $130 to $175. <laughs> that is, that's shocking. Yeah. That is shocking. I can't, I hope it doesn't go anywhere. Rick Sellers, keep that from happening. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got a couple pieces of news here that are pretty cool. Um, but according to this, that effort would require a two-thirds vote in the legislature, and it's not probable. Not in California. I can't imagine California would go yeah. for it. So we have um, Fat Tires, or New Belgium Brewing Company, is going to start canning Fat Tire. Hmm. Why don't they can La Folie? <laughs> now that <laughs> would be awesome. The... the um, Say it's natural choice because it's outdoor friendly, light for transport, and readily recyclable. And cans are superior. You know, this is crap your radio speaking, but cans are superior vehicles for storing beer in. They are nowadays. They are at least. Yeah, uh, it's it, it's absolutely true. And perhaps if we had fat tire in a can, it wouldn't taste greasy. I don't know. Yeah, could be. I'm not sure. Fresh fat tire you know, in, out in Colorado. Tastes good though. Yeah, it does. It, I mean, it's not. It, it's still not on the level of something you know, like La Folie. It's not on the level of, of some of their other beers. It's just. It's 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 a it's a gateway beer. Here we go. Hope on the hop vine. Some Yakima Valley hop growers are pulling other hop, other crops to add new acreage to hops in response to the worldwide shortage that caught everyone brewers, dealers, growers by surprise. A decade of oversupply and low prices that sent. Acreage plummeting by more than a third over is over. Yeah. Decade of oversupply and low prices that sent acreage plummeting by more than a third is over, at least for now. Now, I mean, that's it's, it's interesting, but it's also one of those things that's kind of a, a short it's, – it's a short gap way to make money. But, it's, but ultimately, people are going to respond to the hop shortage and, you know, and the, 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 the weather is going to help the hop shortage. Right. I mean, it'd be surprising if no – Farmers are going to grow more hops yeah. this year, right? Because twenty-seven dollars a pound, thirty dollars a pound. Yeah, I'm going to grow some hops. You know, it's easy to take out some crops and put more hops in. Um, you know, so I don't think we're probably going to see the, uh, you know, three, four, five dollar a pound, you know, bulk rate for hops anymore. But you know, they'll get the price back down, and and now it that, takes three years, right, for hop. Well, at least the guys who manage the said it takes really three years well, for those guys for for yeah. hop plants to really get to their yeah, prime for, potential. For, well, I think some professional some hop farms can harvest the second year. I think Anheuser Busch they said they let the hops wither on the vine the first year because not harvesting them helps them thrive the second year. And I think they're able to harvest the second year if they don't harvest them the first year. If they harvest them all every year, then they don't get a real return until the third year. So, like when I do my hops at home, after hearing that, I didn't cut the binds and pick the hops. I picked the hops and let the binds go until mm-hmm. winter when they died. So, because they suck nutrients back down into the roots. Right. So, I figured that's probably the best of all worlds. I get some hops and I help my plant store up energy for next year. So, uh, if people weren't aware, that might be a tip for some of you home hop growers. Pick the hops, but leave the binds until they're brown and dry and dead i just i just still reminded of that trip which was amazing i mean <laughs> i know people call us sellouts but i really have to thank anheuser bush for that because that was just an amazing trip it was an amazing experience yeah it was fun it was lots of fun 
So should we try the American IPA now? We absolutely should. This is one I saw at the be- there there's a bunch of uh a bunch of beers from this from this brewery, the Nant- the Cisco Brewers in Nantucket, Massachusetts. And I figured, well, what's the best basis for testing? Well, maybe an IPA. So I picked out the Indie Pale Ale from Look, Cisco Brewers. On the side here they say, finally, an American style IPA from us. Dot dot dot. So they must, you know, really be a different I don't know anything about Cisco Brewers, but from that, so maybe they were more traditional right. English or German or something like that. But this is definitely an American IPA. There were, you know, there were porters and there were other stuff available. But I was like, you know what? Let me see what their IPA is like. Well, we'll have a lot of listeners who will appreciate your choice there. I'd love to see a report on what on a ranking of craft styles by popularity, like barrels sold, like you know IPA and pale ale mm-hmm. probably have to top it out. I'd love to see that all ordered out, right? I'm sure, there'd be some surprises in there. Interestingly, this beer is not on their website. Huh. The indie pale ale. I-N-D-I-E. Yeah, not India, so. Now that's a good smell. That's a very hoppy aroma. The uh, the spice in that hoppiness. The label says, good fresh beer. I'm almost surprised that the TTV let them say good fresh beer. (laughs) I I don't know exactly all the rules. It seems like it's very nebulous, but, you know, proclaiming on the label that it's It's good and fresh. fresh. Yeah. Well, maybe they mean fresh in sort of like, you know, a nasty way. Like, you're being too fresh. Kind of hugs a line there, doesn't it? It's uh, It's got an aggressive hop in there. Yeah. It it kind of, you know, it's not nearly as bitter as the Williamsburg, but it's, it's approaching it. It has... It, it does have a lot more. It seems like the, the balance of, of malt to hop is is much better than Williamsburg, but still, mm. there there's especially now that you know it's fading. There, the bitterness is coming through strong. By the way, this is about uh, fourteen on the SRM scale. Every beer tonight is poured with a huge head on it. But yeah, it's. it's I'm trying to think. Well, if I had a beer with a, this is a tongue stomping hop. It's it's um. This is pretty West Coast. How do you describe the flavor of that hop, though? It's um, I'm having trouble putting words to it, but it's very distinct. You know how celery kind of has an aftertaste? Okay. And you mix that with lemongrass? Okay, lemongrass. Yeah, I was thinking, like, it has this lawn-type flavor, yeah. like this grass-clipping-type flavor, but it's not quite as grassy, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like, oh, it's like leafy or something like that. So, yeah, maybe like cel- lemongrass, celery, something like that. I think it's something along those lines. It's interesting. Uh, is it my favorite IPA? Not not by a mile. Is it a, a, a worthy IPA? Yeah. 
yeah, I think it's it's worth checking out. It's it's interesting. It, it's it's pretty bitter. It's it's got a nice though malt backbone to back it up, mm-hmm. but it ends pretty bitter too. You know, I'm almost wondering if I need to recalibrate with some IPAs like Stone Ruination just to see mm-hmm. where that compares to these beers on the bitterness. Uh, it's been a while. Do you have one? I don't have a stone, no. Mm. I have a couple of those. Um, um, uh, Ballast points that, that uh, Mike sent in. And I think there's an IPA in that stack. So you could definitely pull one of those. But I mean, I'm, I'm almost feeling like I almost. Everything's tasting so bitter tonight. I feel like I almost need to recalibrate to make sure I don't have yeah. I- incorrect expectations. Well, you, you know? can try the ballast point, but the ballast point is the man candy beer. <laughs> yeah, the, I'm not, the ones we have, I know the ones that we eat, I think, but I think there's an IPA in there or a double or a triple or something insane. So, yeah. Um, I, I just wanted to state that, you know, I'm concerned that maybe my expectations are off right now. Because you haven't really been into hoppy, you haven't been drinking hoppy stuff. Yeah, I haven't been drinking too much hoppy stuff lately. And like I said, while this tastes exceedingly bitter, I'm not I'm hesitant to say it because. It, like we said, it's not the same bitterness as the Williamsburg. The Williamsburg was like really overtly bitter. I mean, and it hit you from the mm-hmm. very beginning. This one has a nice malt aside to it, but it does end bitter. And it does yeah. kind of linger. That bitterness does sort of linger. Yeah, it seems like the malt's like, here I come, here I come. Oh, fake. You know, it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> fill out at the end, right? Yeah, that, that's that's a great way to put it. The, the malt, you know, builds up to a point and then the bitterness says, oh, screw you, malt. I'm coming in for the, for the yeah. play. And then it just really takes over. Which is, I guess, an interesting take. And like I say, it's not a bad beer by mm-hmm. any stretch of the imagination. But I would not put it on. I would not put it on my list of great IPAs. Yeah, the aftertaste is pretty. It's this scratchy bitterness. It's uh, a lot of that scratchiness you get. Like if you suck on a real hop, you know those mm-hmm. acids are really, mm-hmm. really you know start digging into your cheeks and your tongue. And I'm getting some of that on this beer too. Where as I drink more, and I've only had you know half a glass. It's starting to really build, and it, it almost starts to come across like a wet hop beer. Or um, Tom Schmidlin emailed us, and he emailed Basic Brewing Radio, and James mentioned it. I think we forgot to mention it on the air, so he must have was going to other outlets. But he um, he doesn't like the term wet hopped. He likes fresh hopped. Yeah, because wet hop gives people a different sort of understanding. I mean, he had other examples. I'm trying to think if I can think of any of them that were not beer related, um, but I can't. To think of them. Yeah, wet hop is kind of it's a, it's a weird thing because what do you think of? I mean, if you know nothing about beer and you hear wet hop, and you know, oh, so they they wash the hops before they throw them in. Yeah, <laughs> just means undehydrated, basically. Right. You know? But uh, or you know, most hops are dehydrated. For, is dehydrated the right term? Dried. Dried. Yeah. Drying is a dehydration process. Is there a difference so between dehydrated and dried? I don't know. Well, a dehydration implies that all the water is removed. Okay. Yeah, you're right. So dried, because there's still a percentage of water. Where fresh hops, wet hop means fresh hops, which means picked from the vine, which have a much higher water percentage in it. So he doesn't like the, the wet hop term. So I think he has a point, but mm-hmm. it's also one of those things that, you know, it's hard to go against, you know, 100 years of tradition or mm-hmm. however long it's been around. Yeah. Well, not 100 years, like. 
dozen years. It really only a dozen. Years oh, yeah, I don't think I don't think there was too many people using fresh harvest hops in beers right in you know from the field straight to the brew kettle until just a couple of years ago. Well, that, well, that, that must have happened back when beer was you know well sure when they were figuring out ingredients, but I'm sure. Did I would they, think did once they, always, they did they kill you know did they dry their hops always like back in I would the eighteen hundreds nineteen hundreds no this is all supposition I, I don't know I haven't done research but I would assume as soon as they established hop as an ingredient and hop handling procedures that you know from that point on they're like hops don't get moldy if we dry them let's just dry them all and then brew with the dried ones I can't imagine that I mean from my knowledge there's got to be some people who said hey I have these these fresh hops right here let me just throw them in. Maybe, but you know, like probably the last three or four years is really where it's gotten my attention and a lot of craft, you know, brewer, um, craft beer people's attention. You know, you get all these people to shoot. East End Brewing does one, you know, and like, you know, when East End Brewing told me about, when Scott told me about, you know, wet hopped, you know, I looked into it and I found like the shoots and a couple other. Maybe. And then like the year later, it's like everybody gets wet hops from everywhere. Well, maybe seasons. the idea behind saying fresh hop as a, or wet hops was a fresh hop is if you say fresh hop, it implies your other beers are stale hops. Are stale hops, right. So maybe it's like, maybe it's marketing thinking in the sense that mm-hmm. we don't want to imply that the other hops are bad. So maybe harvest hops? There's a good thought. There's a good what do you thought. think, Tom? Let us know what you think about harvest tops. Although that that just makes people think like all hops are harvested. Mean? Yeah, <laughs> what does that mean? Yeah, the other hops they, they brew with them while they're on the vine and they leave them on the vine when they're done. Maybe there should just be a long explanation on. <laughs> These are hops that have not been dried. No, actually, a very long explanation that was written by a lawyer, right? With like eighteen paragraphs. By the term wet hop, we do not mean. <laughs> They do not nor, have excess water. Nor were they blah, 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 blah. Nor are they not fresh, <laughs> nor are dried hops not fresh. <laughs> All right. Um, let's go grab another beer. What do you say? Let's do it. So this is a beer that I saw, and it just looked interesting to me, and I picked up without knowing really, you know, what it was, how good it was. This is the... Uh, Peche Mortel from the Brasserie du Discule. It's a, basically an American double imperial stout. It's ranked A plus on beer advocates. So apparently, I made a good choice. They had a couple beers in there, but I was like, you know what? I want to try their imperial stout. That looks interesting. It's a uh, it's a coffee stout, right? Because it's got okay. Why does it have Peche in the name? <laughs> that it was a peach yeah. lambic or something. So I poured these because I heard Peche Mortel. It sounded very lambicky. I got my Cantillon glasses. These tiny little tulips, or what are those called? They are. Uh, well, they're kind of like mini flutes. I don't know. <laughs> they're cute little glasses. Wow. wow. <laughs> okay, I should have read the label because here it says an imperial coffee stout brewed with real fair trade coffee. Imported by the Shelton Brothers. Peche Mortel, French for mortal sin. So Peche means sin in uh, French. Hmm. Is an intensely black and dense beer with very pronounced roasted flavors. Fair trade coffee is infused during the brewing process, intensifying the bitterness of the beer and giving it a powerful coffee taste. Peche Mortel is brewed and savored. Peche Mortel is brewed to be savored. We invite you to drink in moderation. 
Pesh Mortel was born in our Montreal brew pub in October 2001. Now, apparently this beer is also available on Nitro Tap. But this is just, Ooh, this I, is not Nitro. I'd be scared of Nitro. It might wash the flavor. But maybe this one might have enough to compensate. Uh, 9.5% alcohol by I volume. I mean, if you smell this, you smell coffee. Bottle conditioned. And the brewery is Canadian. Almost like a coffee liqueur. Oh, you know what? I bet you Alex told, told us about this beer. I think he did. Yeah. So we actually got it, Alex. You'll be happy that we're drinking one of your hometown beers. Uh, he's actually moving from Texas back to Montreal. Or back to Canada, he said. He didn't say Montreal for sure. but <laughs> Leah, do you smell like coffee liqueur? It's, it's, it's... Hey, someone put Kahlua in my beer. <laughs> this is exceedingly dark. There's a 24 on the SRM scale all the way. There are no highlights. Uh, it's a tannish head. The head itself is around 18 SRMs. Oh, wowza! That there's no need to drink coffee. It's right here in this beer. <laughs> this is a coffee beer through and through. There's really just a f- up front, bam. Coffee flavor and even some of that coffee mouthfeel too associated with it. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you get some of the carbonation. There's, the a, there's a lot of stout body in here. The um, the imperial part. There's not much alcohol, so you're not really tasting like a warming. Nine percent. Yeah, yeah. That's it's low for you know American imperial yeah. stouts. But now there's certainly alcohol in there. Um, it's completely not what I expected just from the name Pesh Mortel. <laughs> um, so it's probably not pronounced Pesh. I'm sure Alex could write it and tell us how you spell, um, how you pronounce this beer. Like maybe it's like a Peche. Because the E with the accent, is that, is that like an A sound? I don't know. Peche sounds Italian, not French. So, Peche? Uh, Peche? I have no idea. Alex, help yeah, us. Alex, give us, give, us a, <laughs> give us a helping hand here, please. Is it Brasserie du Ciel, or is it pronounced a different way? Uh, Brasserie du Oh, du, du Ciel, yeah. Du Ciel. Du, du Ciel, I think is how you would say that. But uh, again, I'm still working on getting Le Fin du Mont pronounced right. So, <laughs> wow. You know, I, I I just said wow. Do I qualify this as a wow beer? Well, I said wowza, right? And yeah. then, like, you know, we say these things because they're impressive. And then, like, we have to, like, oh, did I just say wow for something that's not really a wow beer? We actually got a comment on this. Did I mean, someone's talking about, like, wow beers on the Michigan show? Um, I don't remember that comment. Oh, I'll have to look it up later. But, yeah, so, like, I just saw myself. I said wowza. And then I'm like, oh, did I mean to say that? Is this going to be in the category of wow beers? And it's an interesting thought because should wow beers really be deserving of wow beers? Or should there just be an instant where they impress us so much that we utter wow, right? What, does what is does a wow that beer? make a wow beer? And yeah. there's a good argument to be had on both sides, I mm-hmm. think, right? I because think so. because if we say wow, then that means that we are immediately like surprised and unexpected. And that is something to consider if you ever see this beer somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, that that this beer, if it wowed both of us, particularly if it wowed both of us, yeah. then it's something to definitely consider and check out. Now, does it qualify as one of our quote-unquote wow beers, which is sort of a well, separate It all depends, level? because when we started out, what a wow beer was, 
it was kind of ones that made us say wow right and there's so like there's times i say wow and i'm like did i mean to say that because is it at the level where i expect a wow beer to be so i think so. maybe <laughs> the problem here is us continuing to use the term wow, wow beer, beer right where wow beer should be changed to something different well, yeah i think our wow beers should be like this beer right where it impressed us it shocked us and it's worth seeking out yeah now there should be a different category for best beers we've had all year so super Maybe fantastical. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We have to come up with something. Because we were it. reusing wild beer for best beers we've had all year. Yeah. Uh, so in that sense, this is a wild beer in the sense that it shocked us. In the sense that is it going to be on our best beer list? It's Could hard be. to say. Could be. It's it's definitely a you contender. Know, the, the more I drink it, the more I'm liking it. The first couple of sips, it seemed to be like lacking in places. Like Towards the finish, it seemed to be kind of thin. But now I'm I'm not noticing that. I think it might need to warm up a bit, actually. Oh, could be. I think it needs to be a little bit warmer. Can we compare this to something like Breakfast Stout at all? Breakfast Stout doesn't have as much coffee flavor. I think you're right. <laughs> I think this is really... This is like you, you pour a, a little bit of a stout and then pour a whole bunch of coffee into it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a sense of, that's a good example of how it tastes. Now, I mean, it's obviously crafted in a much more in much more well-crafted way than that but it is it's got a flavor somewhat reminiscent of that over easter i don't think i talked about this on the show um we did the, we tasted the um java from southern tier mm-hmm. yeah southern tier's been doing all those black waters that have been fantastic after fantastic after fantastic the java was pretty disappointing really yeah i didn't think it was a well-done coffee beer and after the java well, you know not everything would be perfect right not yeah everyone can be gems uh, but they've been they've been on a roll, you know, with their beers, and yeah, the Jaffa was kind of disappointing. They came back with chocolate. <laughs> well, chocolate was before Jaffa. Oh, really? Yeah. So that was one of the ones that was a gem. So I'm like, well, if they took the what they did right in chocolate and added coffee, hooey! But yeah, an Easter we did um, breakfast out Java, and then because Java was disappointed, I put out a Kentucky breakfast and. My uh, family liked it a lot. It was Heather's <laughs> side of the family, and they uh, really enjoyed it. You know, I tried to compare this to another stout. The, the last stout I had was the Bear Republic uh, Big Big Bear Black Stout, mm-hmm. and that is much more kind of on the chicory scale. It's really a lot of chicory and coffee mm-hmm. and, and chocolate. This is really like strong, strong coffee, Yeah, uh, like almost like French roast. That's just really <laughs> roasted yeah. coffee, uh, and... That is the really the primary taste you're getting. There's not much else besides coffee and and there's regular stout flavor. But yeah, yes, I mean, there's really there, there's you know quote unquote stout flavor. What does that mean? Yeah. That means, take you know like American or you know some robust American stout. You know there could be a dozen of them. Um, actually, you know what? I mean, there are ways to describe this. It's not quite as roasty as like a Kalamazoo stout. Mm-hmm. Um, Big Bear from Russian River, or Russian River, from Bear Republic. It, it, it's, it's a lot like that one. But, it, you know, Big Bear has like a, that, that chicory flavor to yeah. it. It has some extra kind of like woodish flavor. Well, you had it just the other day. Yeah. I haven't had it in a while. So, you could be, you know, you have better um, memory of that one. This is very, very strong coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is stronger coffee than I think I've had in any other coffee yeah. beer. I was more so focusing behind the coffee. On what kind of stout right. it is? What's, what's there behind the coffee? Yeah. And behind the coffee, it's so hard to pick out because really that the mm-hmm. coffee is very strong. 
I have another coffee stout in the fridge. It's um one from oh, it's called Fuel. Um, dang it! Do you want to compare? We could compare. Okay. Okay, so this is from Lakefront Brewery. This is called Fuel Cafe. And this is a coffee-flavored stout. A listener sent this in. I'm sorry I don't have your name because we weren't planning on drinking this beer today. And since Lakefront's become available in Pittsburgh, so we've been able to uh, get some of their beers as well. Overall, I really like the uh, different beers you can get from Lakefront. So let's give them a taste, shall we? So this is another exceedingly dark beer. You know, there might be a tiny bit of an amber highlight at the bottom there. It's dark, but it's not dark, dark. Like uh, Friday, it, our happy hour at work, you know, one of the beers we have there is Maccasins, mm-hmm. you know, the Triple X Milk Stout. And if you haven't had one in a while, you forget how dark it is until you pour it. And it just is, it's a black hole of beers, right? It just sucks up <laughs> uh-huh. everything. This is 5.93% alcohol by volume. Uh, so the alcohol is a slight bit different on this yeah. one than, than the Peche Mortal. The lakefronts there in Wisconsin. That doesn't smell nearly as coffee-like. You know, if you, if you compare. Oh, I've had, that, this beer's been sitting around too long. One smells like coffee. One smells like. I, I've kept it around too long. It's good, but it's not as the brewer has intended. I don't know if a sour coffee beer really works. <laughs> this is a sour coffee beer. Jeff says it's good. Uh, okay, maybe the first sip was good. Second sip. I will get more Fuel Cafe since we can get it in Pittsburgh <laughs> yes. now. And we will try it fresh. This is not a good comparison. We cannot make this comparison, unfortunately. It says it was bottled the second week of November. Which year? It doesn't say. <laughs> Probably two years ago. If it was this past November, it should still be well, decent. Well, yeah, what I'm reading on Beer Advocate right now says a lot of people found sour right? beers. Yeah. Now, I had this beer at happy hour at work because um, the guy who bought the, you know, got the variety pack from Lake, Lakefront when they were available, or now. And it was good. It was lots of coffee. It wasn't sour. All right. So um, we're out of beers here. So we got a rank? Well, we could drink some more Brooklyn Local 1. We could. Or we could wrap up. Let's wrap up the show. We're at an hour right now. And uh, post-show, you know, there's always more time to drink Brooklyn Local 1 in the post-show. Mm. Mm. It's going to be our tough ranker, right? I mean... Uh, well, the top three are going to be tough. The top three are definitely going to be tough. The rest of them, they kind of fall in line. Well, I think I have to put the Passion Motel first just because it was just such a... Such a... No, the wow beer without being the quote unquote wow beers. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was you know really had a lot of great flavor to it. It really gave you that huge coffee impression. Brilliant, brilliant beer. Uh, for for a specific time though, it's not a beer that you can pick up any time and 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 enjoy. Mm-hmm. I think it's really an after dinner beer. It's something that's you know good. I'm glad we drank it last. Yeah. Yeah, it's certainly a last beer, that's for sure. Uh, my next beer, I think I'm going to go with the Meantime. I think I'll put the Meantime IPA there just because I, I really did like the you know the, the English grassy style, the sort of lemongrass flavor, and uh, maybe I'm just kind of in the mood for an IPA, so it really worked well. We had three IPAs, but this one really did stand out from the rest. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, my third Brooklyn Local 1 just had a lot of great, you know, nice, interesting flavors, lots of stuff to... 
to to ponder and think about. Just the other two, I think, were I was probably more. I mean, I was more impressed or more in the mood for the other two. But Brooklyn Local one definitely a, a good thing. Uh, the Cisco Brewers Nantucket will be fourth. That was interesting. I don't think uh, I, I you know recommend people try if they come across it. A little mm-hmm. bit bitter, a little bitter at the end. They could they could work on better balance. Yeah, better better balance. And the same applies to the Williamsburg Ale Works India Pale Ale. They really need to work on the balance there because it is way too bitter. I am I'm torn. I'm really torn on on number one beer tonight, and that is because I said wow for for Fresh Mortel, and I think the Brooklyn Local One is tremendous for the style. Right, I, I think it's well, so drinkable. It's so good. It's it it's an A for. This Belgian yeah, strong ale thing. I had the same problem. And, I mean, because to, to me, like mm-hmm. the IPA was so yeah. good, but you know, but the Pesh Portel yeah. was like a you know, it made me say wow. Oh, so this is the kind of thing where I'd prefer not to pick one over the other. Haha! <laughs> but the and, show and you the know, show demands you pick. And I think I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to go with my heart, even though I said wow for the Pesh Portel. I'm going to put the Brooklyn Local One as the Best beer of the night. You're allowed. I know. It, the Pesh Mortel was shocking and different. Coffee, Imperial Stout. Of course, anyone's going to say a while the first sip. And I don't want to make that sound as disingenuous because it was very good. But enjoying beers, the subtle flavors in the Brooklyn Local One, I can't penalize it for not being as shocking as the Pesh Mortel. Yeah, right? you make a very good point. You do. You know, it's such a well-crafted beer that I'm going to put the Brooklyn Local One first. And then I'm going to put the Pesh Mortel second because of its shock factor. And uh-huh. it was also very good. It wasn't a gimmick. It's not a shocking gimmick. It's, yeah. it's shocking backed up by quality. In the meantime, third and just behind the other two. Yeah. I mean, you know, on some shows, again, he could be the number one beer. Yeah, there is a separation between the top three and the bottom two. There's definitely a considerable gap, I think, between you know how well-crafted these top three are Versus the last two, which are kind of missing the mark a bit. But go on. I'm going to put the Cisco number four. Uh, I liked him better than the Williamsburg. Um, they were similar. I think they both were you know, hop-heavy, bitter-heavy. Uh, I don't want to ju- cast too strong of a judgment on them until I try some more bitter beers like now or soon or something like that. Uh, you know, like comparing the indie pale ale from cisco to ruination like i said would be a good benchmark be just to see where it fits in you know um because i know there's been times where i've enjoyed you know ruination even though it's an intensely hoppy bitter beer uh and i'd like to see how they fit in just i'm in a point in time part of the year where i'm not drinking those crazy ipas right now <laughs> All right. Well, that's about it, huh? Oh, well, the last one. Oh, Williamsburg uh, had it so long ago. I just remember that its balance wasn't quite on. It had some malt, but the bitterness just kind of stomped on it, right? That's, what I think, what I said. Yeah. And, uh, no, I agree. I, I agree 100% with you. It was just way too bitter, and it was not balanced. I was surprising how bitter it was. Williamsburg, this reenacting-type, classic, colonial-type place, I figured it'd be very malty with a slight hint of hops. And it's a modern American double IPA type yeah. taste. 
So I was really shocked by my stereotypical expectations of, <laughs> you know, a brewery based in Williamsburg. And then the Fuel Cafe does not qualify because it's I sat soured. on it too it, long. It's soured, so we can't, we can't rank it. We can't rank it honestly. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it thoroughly when I had it fresh. Um, I can't tell you how it compares to the Pesh. Probably not as well. I can't imagine a 5% coffee stout will beat out a 9% coffee stout. But... Who knows? Maybe someday we'll try them head to head. Strangely enough, things have strange things have happened. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of Craft Beer Radio. If things go well, I'll get these episodes up right quick. And uh, yeah, it's a relative term, Greg. And we'll be back next time with uh, some more beers. Surprise, surprise. Really. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Craft Beer Radio.